Hey, listeners. Welcome to this very special world-building episode of The Same Coin. This week, we had the absolute pleasure of working with none other than James D'Amato of OneShot and Campaign Podcast fame. We had an absolute blast as James walked us through an exercise from his brand new book, The Ultimate RPG Game Master's World-Building Guide. Together, we built a brand new faction for our upcoming arc. We're very grateful to have had this opportunity to build such an incredibly compelling world with James. Unfortunately, though, the narrative that we created unintentionally became one of colonial violence against a fictional indigenous people. After recording, we had a lengthy discussion about our role in telling this narrative, and ultimately we decided that, while compelling, it was not our story to tell. One of the things we wanted to explicitly avoid was an accidental white savior narrative, in addition to the colonizer violence. I think that a lot of the elements we created in this episode have the potential to bring issues of anti-Indigenous racism to the forefront and to deconstruct white supremacy and colonialism. Some of these elements will be used in the upcoming arc. However, none of the elements of colonizer violence or of indigeneity will be. We will not subject our Indigenous listeners to such re-traumatization. We are actively working against perpetuating white supremacy and colonialism and we refuse to be complacent in the systems that continue to oppress Indigenous people. Many of you may know that Indigenous people and their allies are mourning after the remains of more than a thousand Indigenous children have recently been uncovered from unmarked and mass graves at several former residential schools in Canada. There are estimates that over 6,000 children died at these schools, which were financed and run by the Canadian government in partnership with the Catholic, Anglican, Presbyterian and United Churches. To this day, the Catholic Church has not issued an apology and has refused to cover its share of the relief fund created for survivors of the residential school system. I want to ask each of you as you're able to support the charities and activist groups that we have listed in the show notes. It is incredibly important now more than ever for us to not only listen, but to be active in our support of the Land Back Movement. Some of the content warnings for today's episode include discussion of colonial violence, appropriation of indigenous practices for malicious use, mind control and memory erasure, and loss of identity. If discussion of any of these topics would be triggering for you, we understand and we want you to take the steps that you need to stay healthy. Thank you for listening and for your understanding. If you have any suggestions for us based on what you hear today, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at chicks at sosas.ca or message us on Twitter at chickswithdice. There will be a moment of silence for independent reflection before we begin the episode proper. Thank you. Hello, welcome to Chicks with Dice, the same coin. <laughs> yeah. The the first cis man ever on our podcast, actually. Ooh. <laughs> You're the first cis yeah. person on our podcast. That's true. Wow. <laughs> you know, going to cis and starting with man, that is hard mode. So <laughs>
Hello, listeners, and welcome to a very special episode of The Same Coin. We are joined today by a extra special guest. James D'Amato is here with us to run through some world-building exercises from his new book, uh, it's a long title. Don't worry. I've had to say um, it. I can take over from me. Hello, heroes. First of all, thank you all so much for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. And that new book is The Ultimate RPG Game Master's World Building Guide, a title that I did not choose. Uh, however, <laughs> I did still write the book. Uh, it is a book full of prompts, exercises, and mini games uh, to help folks develop settings for role playing games in a fun and easy way. Um, and so what, what I've been doing is, is going around uh, visiting with all sorts of delightful actual plays and RPG discussion shows. And we've been cracking open exercises from the book and adding to those universes. Uh, and today, uh, because we are doing a very like a, a, a Star Wars game that challenges some of the fundamental dynamics of Star Wars in really addressing, hey, the New Republic doesn't seem much better uh, in certain respects than the Empire. We are going to open an exercise called Enforcers. What Enforcers is, is uh, from the X-Punk section of the book. Uh, and this is supposed to help us create like the people who uh, represent oppressors and create oppressive dynamics within different settings. Um, so this is going to be able uh, us like creating some some bad space cops uh, to go along with a mysterious Star Wars planet that, that, that we have not yet or uh, encountered or met uh, in the large Star Wars canon, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, it's um, the great opportunity, and we're really excited to actually start to build something in the Star Wars universe rather than just me doing a terrible Hondo Onaka impression. <laughs> <laughs> you do a very good uh, Hondo. Your Hondo Onaka is pretty good. Pretty I'm, good. I'm not Jim Cummings. No one will ever be Jim Cummings. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Well, I mean, with that, I, I'm very excited uh, to get started on this. Uh, and the first and most important things that we need to know to uh, address the idea of an enforcer, uh, you know, we're recognizing that uh, in life, as in fiction, uh, cops are bad. And uh, they're bad because they represent an established set of oppressive forces and they use violence to support that. Uh, so the first things that we need to know uh, in order to really figure out what we're going to be doing for uh, these enforcers is ask ourselves, who is in power and who are they stealing from? Who are they oppressing? Um, so for this planet, like Star Wars offers us a wide variety of options. Who is in power here? Is it a corporation? Is it a government? Could it be a religious order? Uh, who who are I these think a people? Religious order. That's right? very intriguing. Like I like yeah. the sound of that. Like a Sith cult. Yeah. I'm trying to. Yeah, there was an old comic run in the nineties. Um, anyway. um, so a little bit of context for our upcoming arc um erica's character who is effectively nicknamed space dumpster um is going to be at some point in this next arc discovering that he has force powers so i think a religious sect 
uh, and listeners, this is entirely going to be spoilered out. So we're going to enlist the trusty, our trusty uh, spoiler bot um, to help us out. Um, but yes, uh, SD will be getting uh, force powers at some point in the next okay part. yeah this is good this is good this is fun so yeah a a religious order and i i don't think we should even uh let's not marry ourselves to to the sith yeah because absolutely you know yeah. we, we 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 should have the freedom absolutely to not. there yeah. are all sorts of bad religions and i think we could invent a, a pretty good bad religion you could probably even come up with a really really terrible daibendu cult <laughs> <laughs> Um, so then this comes uh, with, with the next part of the question, and that is, who do they steal from? And uh, with a religion and with a Star Wars religion on top of that, this question can get really complicated. If we look at classical like uh, examples of religions that steal and oppress in Star Wars, we look to both uh, the Sith and the Jedi. Uh, you know, I'd say Sidious de definitely stole Darth Maul's freedom and future and independence from him. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it left him with all sorts of really complicated emotional scars. Um, meanwhile, on the other side, I think it is easy to argue that Anakin <laughs> ended up bad because of the way he was raised by the Jedi. Um, you know, yeah. taught to deny very reasonable uh, feelings and urges and, and bury them instead of uh, deal with them and confront them. Uh there's also like uh, the idea of a religion just being oppressive to people and not necessarily its constituents. Um, so what what do you find most appealing, especially based on the themes of your story thus far? I, I feel like um, the thing that interest is, interests me most with like a faith based oppression as an ex-Catholic <laughs> <laughs> is the sort of. Uh, like Vatican style control over every aspect of someone's life, you know, particularly like enforcing religious norms as state sponsored like mandates. And that that gives us also a really good excuse for why they took out the imperial archaeologists because they don't probably recognize the empire or want to deal with that other sort of power state, right? Yeah. Right. I have a, a really interesting question. Do we think this planet widely acknowledges the fact that there are other planets? Ooh. Um, I want to say that's a no, and I think that ties in very well with how we've kind of set it up because we ha we are going towards a an uncharted planet. Not uncharted, but like people don't go there. I think that's a very good tie in to, so, to where so that information is suppressed by this yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm. Oh, that's really that, neat that's really that, neat. that is super neat uh because now we come to uh like now that we know who's in power it's this religious order who do they steal from well they kind of steal from their entire population um and what in order to do this, in order to assert their uh, illegitimate power structure, they need to do that through lies. Um, and those are like broad thematic lies that they tell their public, that they tell the people that they are oppressing. Um, those lies are uh, they, they can vary sort of based on 
the theme and tone of your story. Um, think of it like 1984 style where, you know, they mm-hmm. would talk about lies or truth, that sort of thing. Uh, we can frame it through Gideon the Ninth. I think one of the great lies there is the emperor is God instead of like a guy. <laughs> yeah. um, John. Yeah. John. John. <laughs> So, so for this order, like we want to come up with like three core lies that they want to assert to their oppressed populace in order to justify their illegitimate power. I think power. one of the, at least in my opinion, one of the more compelling ways to lie is by distorting the truth. So I think they, maybe they do acknowledge the broader universe exists. They don't like communicate with it in any way because this is just going riffing off of the idea of a bendu cult the idea that the rest of the galaxy is imbalanced Mm. and you should be afraid of everyone who is not from our balanced society very so all kind of communication is restricted to upper officials and travel is only for the elite of the elite in my head i was thinking like um, mm-hmm. t- to reference a seminal piece of media, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, mm. um, like what, what, <laughs> yeah. what if okay. the cult okay. is suppressing the technology? Like most people don't even realize interstellar travel is even possible. Like um, they're stuck in, I don't know, whatever age, pre, pre-stellar age, because every anytime like someone comes up with that, you know, they're covertly... Um, that, that data disappears, as it were. Yeah, I, I think one of the uh, things that, that I'm finding here, like it's centering these around the core lies. I, I think there is something really cool in like the outside universe, the external universe is unbalanced or perhaps unbalanced equals blank. Like, you know, the, the, uh, and they also want to assert that the society that they are providing you, that is where balance is found. Um, that would Mm -hmm. be line number two, uh, which like suggests to me that like, could, it could be that they recognize that, uh, technology or other planets exist, but the path to balance is denying yourself those things Mm. or rejecting those things. Or it could be, Hey, that people who use this technology, people who leave their home planet or what have you, those people are unbalanced. So when when you meet the, and interacting with those people will corrupt you in some way. Uh-huh. Uh, one thing, and this is just a note for 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 our world building. Um, I do want to be cautious of how we portray this this planet. Like if it is um, like I don't want to portray the like the backwards um, indigenous people's stereotype. Um, so I think that's just one thing that I want to like explicitly make clear. That, before that is we, a uh, that is a here. really, really good thing to keep in mind, especially uh, when interacting with a culturally enforced and, and kind of religious thing. Um, this, w- w- which means that uh, it could be that this culture sort of starts up. Maybe this culture before, before this religious order imposed itself, this culture was, hey you know, one of the somehow non-spacefaring cultures that could have existed in Star Wars. And then some spacefaring people showed up and were like, hey, the rest of the war, the universe is bad. And this is the only good place. We're not going to leave this place. So Ah. it's colonizers doing this. I love that. Yeah, I know. I like that a lot. And so like the leaders 
or depending on how long this has been around, like, are they of a completely different species um, who who sort of hold themselves as I, not not gonna lie, I kind of want them to be like core worlds, like Corellian humans. <laughs> um, yeah. Just to drive home a point. <laughs> yeah, I guess Corellia or Coruscant. Like Coruscant. Some horrible Coruscanty pleasure yacht crashes and they're like, well, I guess we're taking over this planet. Well, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Okay, cool, cool. Well, then uh, that br- brings us back mm-hmm. to to the lies that they want to uh, assert. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we want these to be yeah. like catchy, sentence-long phrases that, that you know, kind of explain how that, like, if you believe these things, it justifies the power of this so religious order. we've kind of established the rest of the universe is not in balance, or the rest of the galaxy is not in balance. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's one. Our society provides balance. Two? Where does their authority come from? How do they establish their authority? We do know that. We will discover that. It is violence. Uh, Spoiler alert. At the end of the day, it's violence. Uh, Specifically, specifically, I mean, ultimately it is violence, but like, where do they tell the people? Oh yeah, how how, do they know what balance is? What do they tell the people? Exactly. How do they assert that they are... Because, like, using the the Vatican uh, example, it is power from God, right? Kind of thing. It's, if you don't believe, you go to hell. Exactly. Um, the one that's jumping out to me is like we are the ultimate knowers, like knowledge keepers of the Force, and that can send you to hell, kind of thing. I don't Forced know. Hell. Um, <laughs> hey, hell's like, real we in know Star about Wars. The Force. Yeah. Hell is real in Star Wars because <laughs> yeah, Harrison no, Ford fair. says, "Damn." Space hell. <laughs> no, I think Sith hell is like a real uh, thing from like expanded universe novels. So. Yeah, it is. What well, what if it's only those with true balance can commune with the force and therefore Ooh, everybody's striving like for balance or whatever. Yeah. And ah. they're like, hey, I'm not getting anywhere. It's like, well, that's because you're not balanced enough, my guy. You, I guess you have to keep being so impressed by me. It's, until it's you Scientology. Well, you just have to sign up for the next level course and mm-hmm. we'll cleanse you. Just take as much vitamin B6 oh, as you can tolerate and run around in a circle for a couple of hours. That's That'll cure your ADHD. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. Um, what if, okay, so what if, what if the, the people in power are, or like the people who were originally in power are, or were excommunicated Jedi? Oh, dang. Oh. Interesting. Oh. Oh yeah, okay. Because the because they know how to use the force, or... they know how to find force users, and therefore they bring the the people they they bring the force users like they teach them how to seek the path of balance while enforcing the lie. They can repopulate their order as time goes on by recruiting naturally occurring force users on the planet, which would make sense and it ties back into if this is a very force strong planet, ties back into why the imperial archaeological team would oh. want to be there. Yeah, there's a yeah. some sort why, of force yeah. virgins or or temple or something that was mm-hmm. on this yeah. planet established a long time ago, maybe even part of this culture. Okay, so just just so I'm clear and to make sure that our 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 villains are our former Jedi or or excommunicated Jedi that have established on this planet okay yeah i like the idea that yeah they were excommunicated because they like started to form their own sect 
like basically Revan and Malak, except not. There, I mean, there was in Star Wars canon for a while, and I I really don't know how canon it is anymore because it showed up in extended universe novels. Uh, that were attached to the cartoon show mm. uh the the attached oh, to yeah. uh clone wars where they were the cool clone jedi wars, yeah. who fucked uh because they were like uh <laughs> they, they believed in all the jedi stuff but also you were allowed to have meaningful relationships <laughs> um where, where they believed <laughs> that like yeah it, it was like love is good and whatnot it's attachment is bad and they defined attachment as kind of unhealthy obsession as opposed to love and there's ah. a very cool section mm. in this book where the leader of this sect looks at anakin and goes oh buddy i could have helped you if you if they didn't scramble your brain meats right? with yoda juice too much <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, Cat Cutting in here just to let you know that the group that James is talking about here are the Altissian Jedi, a splinter sect led by former Jedi Master Jin Altis. They're Legends canon, and it took me way too long to find them because they weren't listed on the category page for Force-based organizations on Wikipedia. So I'm here to save you some work. There will be a link in the show notes for you to find out more about them. Okay, okay. Back to the show. Um, rad. Well, now that we know that... Uh, we are ready to define the style of our enforcers. Um, so, you know, keeping these lies in mind, uh, those core lies are going to be the muni- the the messages that uh, this uh, oppressive body is trying to communicate through the design of the outfits that their enforcers wear. Um, they're always going to be trying to tell you that they mean balance, that the world is unbalanced, they represent balance, and that the closer you are to being them, the closer you are to being balanced. Um, so we have to choose one or two form to fit our themes. Uh, the forms are as follows, military uh, uniforms that, you know, call on uh, like our idea of what a military uniform would be throughout time. Futurist uniforms that represent an idealized world. They'll look alien compared uh, to civilians around them and reduce the humanity of the officers inside. Um, ecclesiastic. These would be uniforms based on church authority. They'll have religious symbols and decorations. Depending on the religion, this could include flowing and draping fabrics, cinch to cut and allow free movement. Um, there is proletarian. These uniforms are made to imitate the dress of the working class. They have drab colors and a mass produced feel. There is thematic. Uh, this is a less traditional uniform uh, and more like a uh, team colors feel to it. It is a distinct manner of dress or self-decoration that makes members unmistakable. We can think of like the skulls and tattoos from a Mad Max type world. Uh, that's that's what that means. Uh, or subtle. Uh, that the oppressors want people to think they might be everywhere, so they have a single symbol of authority, like a badge or a crest, but otherwise they're hidden in I plain sight. I had a very bonkers idea of, um, like, <laughs> holy tie-dye. <laughs> oh my god, I love yeah. it. <laughs> like, okay. Because you find balance in the blending and mixing and swirling of each individual force. 
both the light side, the dark side, the living, and the other one. I can't remember the other kind of force. The living force and the... I mean, do Jedi acknowledge the living force? I think... I it's think like Qui-Gon a Jin very, did? very close oh, secret. Yeah. Qui-Gon Jinn did. It's a very, yeah, it's a very. And I think like Yoda canonically has to acknowledge the, anyone who's become a right. force ghost. Fair. Yes. Acknowledges the difference between the living force and the other one. Usable power force. I'm going to look yeah. that up now. I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I kind of like that. Um, so maybe it's not even that the universe is unbalanced, but like the other planets are unbalanced or something because the idea of tie-dye to me kind of evokes that like swirling kind of cosmic look of nebulas and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Essentially we've made like a scary fascist hippie commune. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is kind of what Jedi are in the first place, right? It's it's somebody badly misunderstands Eastern philosophy and then creates <laughs> a, a semi-fascist order out of it. Huh. Yep. Huh. Um, so this is good. I like tie-dye being their thing. Are these like otherwise Jedi, meaning they've got those kind of like similar robes, but they've got this tie-dye theme color to it? Is that what we're looking at? I want to, yeah. I think we have to also kind of conceptualize how far back in the Jedi Order these people were excommunicated. How long have they been in authority? Because, like the you know the Jedi uniform changes over time as you know various masters have greater influence over the Order. Yoda being the predominant one, but because Yoda lived so long and had a, such a bad fashion prequels. sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I I don't know why, but in my head, like, there's a cape. That's the okay. only thing I have to contribute, but yeah, no, I love I, a good cape. I so. love that. Um, I, okay, so, so building on that, I think the tie-dye can be the cape. Like, the cape is what is tie-dyed, and the different pigments signify what rank you have mm. within the order. And so the very expensive, like really refined pigments, like similarly with like actual history with like purples and stuff having been historically ex reserved for people with power. Um, similarly, like hard to find or so hard to. What color would be the hard to make dye in this society that denotes like effectively the Pope, basically, for lack of a better term, the head of the church? Yeah. Or is it, uh, is it like a college of cardinals with no pope kind of thing i want to say okay so here's the question that i want to answer um i want us to answer do they emulate the structure of the jedi council or do they follow a different order that is a good question my first thought is that it would be an emulation of the council right. yeah in effect they are kind of still based on the jedi but they're trying to do the jedi order but better but also being fascist about it okay okay more fascist than the jedi order yeah, about it <laughs> yeah what if yeah and you don't have to follow me down this path like we've got we've got these these former 
hippies, which in our real world became yuppies. So what if it is yeah. an unholy combination of they've got these capes, <laughs> these tie-dye capes with colors that denote their authority or or their escalating closeness to uh, a, a divine sense of force, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a little bit. But what if the rest of it is like golf shirts and khaki shorts oh and pants you know what yes. if they just look like oh yuck? my god i yes. love it and that's like a Is whole there golf on this field. planet oh absolutely there's there's definitely some sort of space golf that we can come up <laughs> yes. with yes which yes this i like talking about mimicking the council and making jedi more fascist actually gave me like a wild idea. What if in a way nearly everyone on this planet is roped up into being an enforcer in that there is an almost case-based hierarchical society that they've given themselves where if you are closer to the leading body's definition of the force, you technically have enforcement authority over everyone who is not as close to you so like as soon as you're level two you rule over everybody who's like level one or or whatever and have like have police authority over them so everybody's a cop in this planet so it's like the world's most toxic hoa <laughs> I mean, if it's oh yuppies, God, they're God. the ones who invented HOAs, They're wearing right? their sandals and their Oakleys. <laughs> they got their eyes on polos that they wear for golf. Yep. Yeah. Okay. This, so this is cool. So so we've got, we, we know that everybody has to wear a cape. Those capes will have different colors that will represent kind of their authority. Mm-hmm. Um which uh, brings us to the next thing that we need to decide, which is personhood, uh, which is how human, quote unquote, because we're dealing with a society that could have non-humans in it, enforcers are allowed to look. Um, the different flavors of humanity that we would have would be open. Uh, despite the uniforms, it's obvious that these are ordinary people representing a larger power. You're going to see their faces, limbs, and skin. Um, uh, it is obscured. Uh, humanity of enforcers is warped or slightly altered using masks, tattoos, or makeup, even body modification. Um, you can tell that there are people underneath, uh, but there is significant decoration. There is concealed. Uh, they're all uh, hiding their humanity with helmets, gloves, masks, and other types of armor uh, to hide away their humanity. Or humanity is completely absent at a certain point, and they're enforcing things like through droids or golems or zombies. It, it sounds like we're not with absent humanity. But any, w- w- which of those do we think is most effective? I want to say that there, it's an escalation. So the majority of people are open enforcers because we've, I, I like, I love this caste kind of system. Um, as you go higher up in ranks, the humanity is more obscure. Ooh, yeah. So like eventually you get hoods. The leaders have basically Cobra Commander like helmets where you can't see anything. Yes. I like the idea just to like kind of bounce off of this, that this is a colonized planet that we're working with. True. That um, the, the uniforms of the highest echelon of this faith are designed to obscure the fact that the original founders were humans mm-hmm. who had colonized this planet to make it look like 
a stylized and depersonified version of the native inhabitants. Yeah. So like the indigenous people are mimicked by the uniforms to like give them sort of a cosmic authority. A little bit Zardozzi in in a sense. I hate it. I hate it. I love it so much. <laughs> That's good. That's very, very good. Yeah. So there, there is an uh-huh. escalating uh, uh, removal of personhood, um, which, you know, makes sense. Like the more authority and like, especially because the force is playing into this, more power people have, the less human or less like relatable uh, they appear to those people around them. Um, gosh, mm. That, that's that's great. Um, so now that we have that, uh, let's describe some specifics about the escalation of these uniforms. I, I, I just want to know, like, we do know eventually it results in, like, some kind of mask that, that mimics the form of those folks who are native to this planet. Um, but, like, you know, what is our, our, you know, mid-tier enforcer like, like the ones that people see almost every day? What is the enforcer who you only see when something really bad is going down uh, look like? You know, it's the escalation between a street cop to a riot cop, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. versus like a federal agent. <laughs> So I think one thing we do have to emphasize is like if we are if we are starting from the the prototype of yuppie, you know, middle aged golfing guy, like what is the escalation there? Well, I think it's like more business authoritative. So I don't know if that's Mm. uh, I don't know if that's moving up to like a suit for no good reason or like um, like something more formal. Um, But that's how I see it. Whereas like. Because you've you've found more balance or like you, you've you've understood the, the balance of this world, like um, you, you your clothes become more, I guess, not balanced, but like important seeming or so you're effectively evolving from like Cape Cod casual through business formal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And well, well, so here, like what I think when we look at this planet, I see a sea of people in my head. Uh, who are wearing khaki pants. And that is very funny to me. And it does feel very culty to me. And like, you know, they've, they've also, they've got these capes, they've got these khaki pants. That's the most important thing. Then suddenly one of those people like has more authority or something. What if it is like sunglasses of some kind? Like what if it is like, Hey, the next level up is like, you're wearing your, your Oakley's around. Um, Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and, and like that, that way, like suddenly people can't see your eyes anymore. Um, so oh. there is that kind of, okay, there's a little bit of like, it's weird to talk to somebody in this mirrored sunglasses instead of just talk to a, a, a person. Then after that, we can go into like, well, people who are wearing like suits that are, you know, it's not khaki pants anymore. There is suddenly a dark, darker colors and whatnot that really contrast with everybody else around them. That's the sort of look that you'd look at and go, oh, okay, this person is very different. 
you know, they're in their suit and sunglasses. And then like kind of at the higher levels, you've got this cape cowl situation. They've got dark suits with gloves on and whatnot. Um, and like, even if you were to see through that, maybe it would be only the reflection of like sunglasses underneath that, um, which is kind of cool. And then you escalate to full on masked, decorated religious leaders. They've got like capes that are actually swirling and changing colors somehow, like mm. mood stuff. Actively, yeah. So that like that sort of progression will help even people who aren't familiar with this system, your characters, will be able to recognize something weird is going on here. They will know when the cops show up, uh, and that is an important thing to be able to recognize, I think. So now we get down to violence, uh, because that is the thing about enforcers. At the end of the day, all of the lies that uh, the oppressing body is telling are backed up by the violence of the enforcers. And we're going to be defining three types of violence uh, that these people uh, enact. That way, your lovely GM is going to be able to use this in the story uh, to signal an escalation of tension and plot. Uh, So the first and uh, one that you will probably be encountering most is non-lethal violence. Uh, This is something that will, especially in encounter with uh, our protagonists be an encounter that you'll likely be able to walk away from if things go wrong. Um, So these uh, examples for this, like, you know, we're we're talking about clubs, uh, we're we're talking about tasers, we're we're talking about restraints, uh, uh, maybe even hypnosis or things like that. These are things that you can use to hurt and control people, but uh, not necessarily Uh, kill them outright and immediately. Uh, In order to define this non-lethal violence, we're going to need to choose two qualities for it, and I'll read off the list. It always leaves a mark on its victims. It targets multiple victims at once. It's obviously very painful. It makes a sound or a smell when readied. Uh, It's small and easy to conceal. Which of these do you like the best? I think we've established that, right, it's a heavily force sensitive planet the there's a lot of force use i think the most absolutely terrifying thing in star wars is the jedi mind trick like not being able to be in control of your own thoughts like the most minor violations are just simply like erased and you're reprogrammed on the spot to be more obedient and follow the order yeah and and we do know that at least from the new film, the the new film trilogy, like re- the act of trying to resist mind control through the force can be like a, a painful struggle or whatnot, mm-hmm. which is cool. So I, I think, you know, I, I would say obviously it's small and easy to conceal in the idea that, uh, yeah, like everybody like having the force, you can't see it, but you do know it's there. See, I I love the idea of like they do this, but it, it leaves a mark behind that's permanent. So like people, you don't know what you did, but people around you can you see like something. a brand or something. Yeah. And it's like you did something. You upset the balance. You were corrected, but you carry this with you. OK, can I? Ooh, I 
tiers. So for for the comment, because we have the case system where everyone is a cop, like the people who are non-force users have basically um, like a tool that was indigenous to the people of the planet that has been repurposed for violence. Interesting. So it leaves a mark and it's small and easy to conceal. And then with with the force users for more severe punishments, they have like basically the force neuralizer. Yeah, let's let's uh, dig down on this because I do think this is really interesting. I am very compelled by the idea. Like I'm, I'm trying to envision in my head a, a scene where this happens. And one thing that we know is that the Jedi mind trick does not work on everyone. Um, it is only yeah. supposed to work on people with weak will. So what if the device, the, the thing that they use to enact this balance is something that somehow saps your will and that is what's leaving behind this mark. Um, and that's why the escalating levels of whatnot, like if you are a normal citizen, you know, wearing your khaki shorts and, and, and golf shirt or whatever, like people can see your arm. They can see how many times you have been corrected by your betters, but that starts to disappear as your authority increases. So people are then not just looking at the escalating in this cult as a path to power, but a way to remove their sense of shame too. Oh, and you know, so very good. Catholic while everybody carries a secret oh. shame around with them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. So yeah, like we want something that leaves a mark. We want something uh, that removes uh, somebody's will. And like also the idea, I love the idea that like afterwards you wake up, you see this mark, you know, you did something wrong and you don't even know what it is. That is terrifying. And yeah. Okay. Ooh, that's bad. So I, I think that we have a plant or, or or flora or fauna on, that's native to this planet that they found out it's almost like a hypnotic, right? Yeah. Like um, when stung yeah. with it, it leaves a mark. That mark is permanent and it also like inhibits your will. And then... And it's basically... And the form factor is like pepper spray. Okay. They pepper spray you with this thing. I guess well, I'd be... It, yeah, I, I would think it's more of an injection. So because uh, that's the best way for it to leave a mark, right? Yeah. Ooh, okay. For... For like low scale control, it can be pepper spray and it like you forget what you were doing and you return back to your everyday life. That's basically the equivalent of the cops just like blaring their sirens like once at you, just like, hey, stop that. Versus like if you're doing something bad enough to warrant it, they give you like the injection form and you just like you have the mark now. What if because we're, we're going to get to a, a section of violence later on that is emotional violence, pure emotional oh. violence, which I feel yeah. is an equivalent to a, a yeah. cop siren or something like this. I like yeah. the idea of of like there, there being an injection or something like so you have an injection site like mark or something that gets left on you. Um, but I, I'm not necessarily against the idea of like, well, now if we want, it's always leaving a mark. It's always going to leave a mark. It could be like either a, a, a gauntlet or, or, or just like a, a device, like some kind of futuristic star Wars injector that people are using. I guess the, the question is, what do you think is a cool intimidating posture for somebody to approach a victim with? Like, Ooh. you know, are they holding something like this? Are they holding an injector like this? Are they? Yeah, absolutely. Like this. we're doing great podcasting. right? I kind of love the idea of a gauntlet and you know, like, the handshake they yeah. do in fantasy where they like grab 
like yeah. that. So they grab your arm yes. and like and yeah. in, and inject you. And so like if you see it, someone with with their gauntlet on and it's it's probably like very decorated because it's related to the tenets of this religion, like you know you know something happened. Yeah. Ooh. So basically it's the the infinity stone gauntlet. <laughs> Uh, Maybe a little I think a little less, more um, subtle than that. Dramatic. <laughs> uh, so, like, the thing that I'm picturing is, I don't, you know how teachers, uh, this might be just the thing that I know because my ex was a school teacher, but you know how, like, you have to get the tuberculosis test and it's like the three-prong mm-hmm. poke? Yeah. That's kind of the image that I had for the, like, scar that it leaves. Oh, yeah. It's like something that's like three pronged rather than just like a single injection site. And like, you know, effectively that also that symbol is in part a symbol of the authority of the church. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Putting that back in. It's like, it's like on, on a flag is the symbol, the mark that's made by the injection in like a circle. I, I, I'm so happy that you've stumbled on something that that jumps ahead in the exercise. So like, yes, <laughs> obviously, that's perfect. Ooh, I love it so much. Yes, 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 please. Um, cool. So I, I think we've got it. It's a kind of gauntlet. It has like a really distinct injection pattern thing. This is some sort of material that is found on this planet that uh, increases your susceptibility to force mind control and that is just a thing people use casually in this society all the time. Like probably I was thinking adults probably use this on children, oh, God. which is horrifying. Yeah, yeah that's bad. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's super scary. Now we get to lethal violence. Uh, enforcers always need a, um, uh, the capacity to kill. Um, that 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 is always important yeah. that even as horrifying as non-lethal quote unquote violence is uh, it can always get worse so now we need to choose two qualities for lethal violence and the options are as follows it always leaves evidence behind it is worn prominently by enforcers it is fetishized in imagery or on enforcer property and we already did that for for non-lethal violence which i think is actually great um it is loud bright or both it disfigures victims in a notable way that last one really uh yeah is is tempting um because like if if we're gonna start with this metaphor of like you are physically marked by your sin your imbalance like if it gets to the point where lethal force, like it needs to be symbolic still, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's there is some form of mutilation or like um, damage that's very unique to this. I'm thinking like uh, potentially some sort of like, I don't know, like uh, hives as like if it's like a if the lethal force is a poison. And it's like different modes for the gauntlet. Ooh, that could be interesting. Th- there, there was part of me that's thinking like, like the the Jedi symbol of lethal force in a way is the lightsaber, right? Like, and right. we do have like they're grabbing you on the arm, the injection sites are in the arm or whatever. The most notable thing that we saw a, a lightsaber do in the first appearance uh, in Star Wars is cut someone's arm off. Like, what if it it is like something like 
in removing the shame or sin or unbalance from a person, Ooh. you literally cut their arm off and then you kind of leave like them. That. I think it's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm considering it being, sorry, we need to use Star Wars swears, Erica. Oh, sorry, it's Criffin Brutal. brutal. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I feel like it's going to be like a, not a real lightsaber because it's like impossible for them to find kyber crystals on this planet, mm. but like some sort of lightsaber analog even if it's yeah. just like a vibra blade with an LED strip. Oh, an overcharged uh, bread knife. Charged bread knife. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's an in joke. <laughs> yeah, we've done a couple of Star Wars streams before we actually launched the real campaign, and we had one titled "The Adventures of Cal Lightsaber" <laughs> after um, Cal Castus, because on the pause menu it says Cal Lightsaber. <laughs> So we've only picked out one quality, right? Like we've picked out the quality that it mutilates its victim. What mm -hmm. were the other? Could we go back through the other yeah, qualities? Because yeah. so that might help us. Are, it leaves behind evidence. Uh, it is worn prominently by enforcers. It is fetishized in imagery on enforcer property. It is loud, bright, or if we both. we go with pseudo lightsaber, it is very bright. Yes. Yeah. It's really kind of all of those I things. I mean, what if it's like kind of a plasma torch or something oh jesus like so there is this oh. loud burning or hissing or wheezing sound and then there's just bright arcs of Effectively, plasma like i don't know if you watch hacksmith on youtube but the lightsaber that hacksmith made where it's got like a battery pack and everything like that you have to carry around on well your it's back. like literally acetylene packs like yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah that's really cool and then oh and then this is it okay? So is it low form factor or is it unwieldy? Because if it's unwieldy, then we can have like death squads that have to travel as a pack in order to use it. Ooh, that's kind of cool. In a terrifying, yeah. Way. In a very terrifying. I way. mean, like I'm because I whenever I I picture elements of enforcers, it's always like, oh well, what does it look like when somebody's fighting them? And the idea that like, yeah, you've got this like truck or droid or something that rolls up with the squads of enforcers who like yeah. plug in and then like there's just this wheeze and arcs of electricity and whatnot. Oh. And it's like, all oh. right, I guess we got to br bring out our blasters and help these people, these poor khaki pants people. <laughs> <laughs> these poor yuppies. Yeah. And I think like, OK, I think this because any reasonable person would run away, even if they're fairly indoctrinated. So I think like there's almost like a stocks where like they are kept in the street and then this like lock with their arm locked in place. And then the team shows up to do their deed mm. um, yeah. because this is this doesn't sound so fast. Right. And so it's yeah. like, no, this is very public. It sends a very public it's message. It's a public spectacle. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. like the idea then that there is probably a gaseous form of this, uh, you know, plant that uh, mm. sedates people and then they are basically blasting out to an area with a with a mind control of like stay where you are and then like literally they bring out these plasma torches and cut people away oh god it's so scary <laughs> that's yeah are you okay to, to get a little gruesome are you executed before your arm is removed or after I, I, I mean, my thought had been that like the arm removal is the execution um, yeah, and is the, the execution. black mercy in it is like, 
hey, you've carried your imbalance so much and it seems like you can't handle that burden. So we're going to cut your arm off. You don't die unbalanced, but the only way for you to exist as a part of this universe is dead. So they cut your arm off and they let you bleed out. And everybody else is supposed to look at you and go, well, at least they died without, you know, being unbalanced. Um, right. They could become one with the cosmic force. I looked it up. It was the cosmic force that I forgot. <laughs> Thank you, Cad. Thank you, Cad. Weaved it in there. Yeah. Oof. I think that's really um, That's neat. so nasty. Utter, utterly terrifying just to even conceive. Oh. But um, that makes good enforcement. So... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now we get to emotional violence. Um, and this is, uh, you know, we, we typically think of violence as, uh, as physical things that happen to people, but emotional violence is really useful in storytelling, uh, because it's a way to keep oppression in the minds of our audience, even when there are no oppressors present. Tools of emotional violence remind the masses that the oppressing power is always there and watching. Um, they can also, it can also herald the arrival of enforcers, um, and uh, or proclaim their bodily presence, or it can, you know, in certain ways, remind people of the power and potential that enforcers always have. Um, and emotional violence, it can be stuff like flashing lights, chants, songs, announcements over loudspeakers, holograms, alarms, sirens. Like they are things that. Even if you are not looking at it, you're reminded, oh, there is an enforcer nearby or there is some type of enforcement taking place. Um, okay, so I have an idea. Uh, I watched a video a couple years ago of um, like basically a recording of music from North Korea, particularly how tightly controlled like what music is allowed to be played and everything like that. The level like what is allowed to be composed at any given time. It's a really fascinating kind of music. It's a it's a little bit like jazz and a little bit like polka and like a lot Korean. It's it's an interesting sort of like musical movement that is not really seen anywhere else. And like what if part of that balance is when these mass executions are happening, it's present for the people in the immediate vicinity, but in order to cover it up so that the rest of the society doesn't see how dysfunctional this one area is. There's a, like a certain kind of ecclesiastical music that gets played over speakers. Ooh, with the tonal. Ugh. Yeah. Have y'all like heard yeah. space music? It's it's usually like it is usually sort of a yeah. kind of neat. It's it's mostly tonal stuff. Mm -hmm. Like and it's kind of yeah. sleepy and dreamy, but like we could have like the more intimidating version of that because like they're they're kind of building their idea around the cosmic force um so the idea that like all of a sudden the world is drowned out by this kind of droning tonal music that is somewhat you know like uh dreamy and and you know relaxing and not intimidating but also you know kind of what's happening while it's going on so it's okay, terrifying um the circle back to this idea of yuppies and you know the what if everyone just has like airpods that you're required to wear <laughs> yeah yep cat what cat so 
So the the music isn't played over speakers. It's just played through the AirPods. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, okay, okay. Pulling this into Star Wars a little bit more, um, like, kind of implants. Not necessarily implants, but, like, something that you have to wear that puts it directly into your brain mm-hmm. um, and also serves as an identification chip. Yeah. Ooh, space I space AirPods. Space AirPods. <laughs> well, so um, I, well, this I, ties that ties really well because uh, the character I play uh, recently lost an ear in an explosion and has gotten an artificial imp- hearing implant that could very easily be messed with in this it, manipulated in this situation. So I think that's a, a really good sort of system if, if we want to use that. That's kind of where I was going with the AirPods okay. idea was to like interface with SD's implant in a way that would like both the fact that he is force sensitive and the fact that he's got this implant makes him very susceptible to the kind of control that's exerted on this planet. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I am very happy to report that, 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 that is it. We have figured out what these enforcers look like and we've defined their violence. Uh, the rest of the enforcers chapter is like powered by the apocalypse style moves that you might be able to use to like define bits of enforcer behavior and whatnot in, <laughs> in, in a session itself, mm-hmm. which is not relevant to our discussion here, which means We've done it. We've created an extremely Hell terrifying yeah. <laughs> thing. Uh, it's yep. not quite the Jedi. It's not quite the Empire. It's not quite the Sith. But it is very spooky and is pretty like the harder edge of Star Wars mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. This is this is really neat. I am not looking forward to encountering well, this. Well, I don't envy you folks having to go to this planet. <laughs> it should be interesting. Scary. Yeah. Um, we're just responding to a distress beacon. Nothing, nothing wrong there. Of course, yeah, just trying to be, just trying to be helpful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, this is yeah. so cool. I just had like one other idea that came to me just now. Is like, so the order was effectively established by some exiled Jedi. I think part of being excommunicated is that you have to get rid of your lightsabers. Like, like confiscate your lightsaber and that's why they've had to kind of fake their lightsabers instead of Mm -hmm. using the real thing that would just get passed down through generations so we've got some background information there that just sprung into my head i wanted the notes Mm -hmm. oh that's good that's perfect cool really fun yeah thank you all so much for having me this was Hey, yeah, it's a delight. I mean, the fun part will be watching uh, about how y'all Star Wars style give the old Melvin to these incompetent fascists and push him over and, uh, you know, save the day and, and make your way out of there. That'll be cool. Yes. Yeah, I'm I am so looking forward to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I? OK, oh. just as a complete aside, damn you, James D'Amato. <laughs> You have made me cry so many times on your podcast. <laughs> um, so we should, b- before we just start praising James, um, not not that you don't deserve <laughs> it. I appreciate what you do. Um, we should like do some form of closeout for our podcast. Smart, smart. We should absolutely yeah. do that. Um, okay, so that was our world building exercise. James, thank you for coming on. 
I think this is a great opportunity for you to plug everything you need to plug. Absolutely. Well, thank thank you. First of all, thank you all so much for having me. It was an absolute delight to work with you on this. Uh, if listeners liked hearing me uh, and my ideas, you can find me on other podcasts. Uh, I have my show One Shot, where we tour as many different role-playing systems as possible with a rotating cast of uh, usually improvisers, comedians, and sometimes game designers uh, playing those games. It's a lot of fun over at One Shot Podcast. You can find that anywhere you get your podcasts. If you prefer a long-form narrative, you can always hop in with Campaign Skyjacks, uh, which is our anti-colonial, anti-capitalist story about sky pirates in a world inspired by the music of the Decemberists. Uh, It is my very favorite thing that I do, and I am super proud of it, so I deeply encourage you to check it out. You can find that at Campaign Skyjacks again, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all my books wherever books are sold. Uh, I am in big store brick and mortar retailers. I am at all online retailers. And of course, your favorite indie brick and mortar bookstores. And that can include your favorite friendly local game store. Be sure to call up and for the indies uh, to order in advance because sometimes they don't have us just sitting out on the shelf. Um, you can find this book specifically by going to bit.ly slash ultimate world building that has a pretty robust list of all the different places that you can find it. Um, and finally, if you want to find me and just talk to me, the best place is on Twitter at one shot RPG. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, as, as a brief aside, um, we've actually played a couple games from the ultimate micro RPG book on the show. And I strongly recommend the audience pick that up because there's a lot of really good <laughs> games. Erica and I flirt fought by playing uh, Pyrewall. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. So good. Yeah, the games in that book are so much fun uh, and so good. And I, I feel very comfortable saying that because I only wrote one of them. So there are a <laughs> lot of really good ones in there by a lot of really talented people. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, please go out and buy it because I want to convince my publisher that we should be doing more books like that. All right. That is the show. I'm going to stop the recording Ta-da. on Zencaster. Space Dumpster was played by Erica Belsass, who can be found on Twitter at Belsass or on twitch.tv slash Belsass. That's B-E-L-S-A-A-S. Plexutsu was played by Aaron Cotter, who can be found on Twitter at Adorable or on our other podcast, Marking Out With My Girlfriend. Kiel Krennic was played by Emma Hislop, who can be found on Twitter at Nocturne Musings and making Kat and Kira suffer through movies on Unsound Theories. The Dark Side campaign is GM'd by me, Kathleen Hislop. You can find my tweets at CatSelesnia or my games at CatSelesnia.itch.io. Chicks with Dice is a Sosa's media production. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the love. By recommending the show to a friend, you not only help us grow our community, you also get to share the hijinks with the people who matter to you most. You can help us create this show and others like it by supporting us on Patreon. You'll gain access to exclusive content like early releases of episodes, side quest adventures, and much more. Become a supporter, visit patreon.com slash sosasmedia. All music on this episode was created by Sounds Like an Earful. Visit soundslikeanearful.com for more. The Star Wars RPG played in this podcast is the property of Lucas Books. It was made by an incredible team of devoted designers who were fired by the private equity firm that owns Fantasy Flight Games and is now published by Edge Studios. Until next time... Stay wizard.
they have just finished up a mission where they were supposed to have kidnapped three shipbuilders, but got none of them. Because you kept killing them. Yeah. We killed none of them. I mean, Two of them died because of other circumstances. 